Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of What the Health Just Happened, where we talk about all things healthcare, the good, the bad, the ups and downs, the lefts, the rights. How do you save money? How do you spend money effectively? Not only do we talk about healthcare, but we also bring in some of Jacksonville's best and brightest leaders, talk about P&Ls. It doesn't matter. No one listens to the intro. Let's get to the point. Today, I'm excited. I have a co-host, CEO of 212 Benefits, Adrian Jansen. Welcome. Thank you. And Amber Barnes. I got to read this which is hard to read. There's a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> Assistant professor at the University of North Florida, SWOOP, that's my alma mater, love it. Uh, Brooks College Health and Department of, uh, excuse me, Health in the Department of Health. Look at that, man. The intro is brutal. I love this. You just stumble. It doesn't matter. No one listens to this. You're doing great. You got it. Thank you. You can read it. Previously, a doctoral researcher with the University of Florida and postdoctoral associate for Duke University. Yeah. Did I say all that right? Yeah. I love the awkward intros. It's like, let's just get it out of the way. Let's make it weird. It's so hard to do the intros. Doesn't matter. Also, bachelor's degree from Western Illinois. That's all right. We're going to hit that. Small town Illinois, right? Okay. Master's from UNF. Once again, swoop. Say it. Swoop. Okay. That's no, no, no. Say swoop. Swoop. Thank you. You going to do it? <laughs> no. They're awkward already. I'll make it awkward for all of us so then you're comfortable. You're like, I can't mess up that bad. He's butchering this intro. I live in the awkward zone. This you is, live in the awkward this zone. Is my home. Oh, yeah. this is going to be great. Okay. We're going to get to all that. Intro's awful. Amber, welcome. Thank you. That's beautiful. So, Adrian, you yeah. going to ask the first question? I'm kicking us off. Yes. Let's make oh. this weird already. Like, knock the rust off. It's been a couple weird. weeks off. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you here. Um, it's been a long time since I feel like we've had a chance to really sit down and connect and just chat. So I'm looking forward to reliving all the things that I already know about you that are wonderful and kind of digging into the current state of affairs at UNF and the College of Public Health. It's going to be fun. And what you're doing, by the way. So we have not seen each other in a while. It's been a long time. Um, Too long. I, I would say like like friends, but haven't seen each other enough. You work in the healthcare sector, but mm-hmm. not clinical care. Absolutely. Right? So let's start with what are you currently doing at UNF? Crazy stories we're going to get to. Mongolia came up. That's a video. But <laughs> let's start there. What are you doing at UNF? Currently, I am teaching several classes. I am lucky enough to teach a global health course, and that is for some undergraduates as well as graduates. Um, So I have some students from public health as well as students from across the campus, so a lot of great voices in that class. I have a global health water sanitation and hygiene class that I was able to develop. That's also water hygiene um, water sanitation and hygiene. So it's the acronym WASH, if you ever see that related to global health. WASH, it's mm. water sanitation and hygiene. So I have a, a course dedicated to that related to infectious diseases, uh, dignity, human rights, all kinds of things. Um, gender equality surrounding access to and affordability um, and safety surrounding water sanitation and hygiene. 
So that's one. My that eyes just crossed. I'm looking at Adrian. Fun. You yeah. don't, no one it's can see us. I'm just one class. Yeah, this okay. is one class. <laughs> I teach um, environmental health at the graduate level, and right now my students are finishing a paper that's due tonight. I'm sure they'll do fantastic. Um, and then, well, you get emails saying, "Hey, my grandmother died tonight. I can't <laughs> I give them. me three extra days." Okay. I do actually, though. This my this, goldfish died. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. They're they're <laughs> more. They were creative, and now they've gotten less creative, and now mm. they're just like, just give me, give me. So yeah. we're we're kind of trying to work on that. Some yeah. creative, like infuse some creative Thank writing yeah. back in the excuses. Bring some like, newness, yeah. right? Yeah, but surprise me. My my <laughs> current students are fantastic, so I don't have to worry about them at all. Um, Is it the students or the instructor? I think it's um, well. It's definitely not the instructor. I have it on um, good Agree faith. That the instructor um, is very lenient when it counts, and also stern when she needs to be because she cares. Mm-hmm. I like right. that. Um, I like that. Or that's kind what she says as she crumbles behind the scenes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm teaching some global health courses, some environmental health, um, some research classes. Um, so I do a little bit of everything um, in terms of topic area, which is great, keeps me fresh. And then on top of that, I'm doing quite a bit of research still with global partners as well as building some uh, local partnerships and trying to bring in student involvement. So I okay. created a lab when I first started at UNF called the Coastal One Health and Zoonotic Zoonoses Labs. The acronym is C O H Z. And it stands for cozy. So I have a cozy lab. You created that. Yeah. I love acronyms. Did you create the acronym too? Yeah. I like it. I like Thank it when you. acronyms spell real words. That's Thank you. Back, so, sorry, real quick. You're, you're doing undergraduate and postgraduate. Um, and graduate. So we have an undergraduate program and a graduate program, a master's program. Okay. Yeah. All in public health. Yes. Brooks College of Health, UNF, free plugs. We love free plugs. Love it. UNF, apply, ride or die, apply, by apply. the way. Um. Man, so so go back to the, what was the acronym you just said? Cozy. Cozy. Coastal One I, Health and Zoonoses Lab. That's the one I started, and I'm trying to bring in more student involvement and bring them into this idea of One Health and and zoonotic research and water and sanitation. What does zoonotic mean? Zoonotic. Um, these are diseases that are shared between humans and animals, so they can either be transmitted from animals to people. Or we can also have reverse zoonoses, so we can actually transmit diseases to our animals. Jay, so Jade doesn't have a mic right now. I love this is why I love Jade last. That's a big word. Zoonoses. If you think of a zoo, I get it. Oh, yeah, zoology. Yeah, so, I was trying to remember like all of my Latin oh, root man. words from college. I'm like, I've got the animal part. I'm That's all you need to know. That. Something to do with animals, animal diseases. And then nautic, Which we're, we're going to, I think we might hammer One Health because I researched it today, pre, pre-call prep. Do you read the Harry Potter books? Yes. Okay, so Voldemort, <laughs> he who will not be named, that's yes. how I refer to COVID. Mm. Like we don't mm-hmm. say COVID. Mm-hmm. Is that a, what's the term where it can be transmitted yes. from animal? So yes. COVID is actually, um, and, you know, there is... there is. You can't um, say COVID, by the way. Excuse okay. me, Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore. Let's call it yes. Baltimore from now on. There is um, a lot of research that's still being done related to the spillover events. Um, and I know that, you know, that's still a area of debate for a lot of people. Recognize that. Always try to respect people and where they come to science and, and how they, you know, they, they get to information. Um, but that is a prime example. And if you want to kind of remove yourself from the origins, which was <clears throat> zoonotic, um, then zoonotic. you can... Zoonotic. I'm going to say that word a lot. Yes. Then you can look at it, too, with the way that we, we have found 
um, the SARS-CoV-2, the, the actual virus, in animals, both in the wild and domestic. We also have found them in our zoo animals, and we have been able to use um, molecular testing to show that several of our zoo animals got it from their keepers. Um, and so we've also seen animals um, give it to other animals, and we have been concerned about people being sick at home, giving it to their pets. There is a concern about um, you know animals giving it back to people, but what we have found since it has really made people sick is that we've we've been giving it back to the animals. When you say it's all, is it just mammals or all animals? Um, I, I believe like spiders, can I give the spider, uh, uh, the flu or that is an excellent question. And I feel like I should be talking to somebody in don't, medical don't. entomology. Do not. That is the area for that. Entomology, I study, another yes. big word. Can spiders yes. give you superpowers? I think that's where oh, this whole line of questioning is. I've got, yeah, yep. I've got young kids. They love Spider-Man. Rain it in, Adrian. Well, you I've actually been in. doing some research with some students related to um, flies, and flies are a, we call them a vector, so they can actually carry diseases that can make people sick, and they can carry them on their legs, their leg hairs, as well as inside of themselves. Oh, and Adrian's going to freak out if you tell so that's this why, story. Yeah, so that's <laughs> actually an this. area for the water sanitation and hygiene class we look at with uh, food hygiene and trying to keep food covered. Because when flies land on it, they can drop things from their legs or with their wonderful um, manners, their table manners, the fact they regurgitate. Uh, You could say vomit. Jay's over there. I love this. Jay's over there shaking his head like, nope, nope, nope. Yep. So I've got some students. We're going to be doing some new research coming up where we're going to um, collect some flies ourselves. And we're going to go into cockroaches, which I'm having to face a, a little bit my own ick factor for that, which I'm writing these proposals so apparently it's on me here's the real question do you collect live cockroaches and do the research we're going to this is the a new area i'm going into and we're going to look and see whether or not these flies and cockroaches are potentially bringing disease to both people and animals so kind of what's their role in the environment and spreading these we are either gaining listeners they're more engaged Mm -hmm. as they hear this or they're like i'm out well, you said cockroaches (laughs) flies food i'm out this is what i found is i do a lot of my the zoonotic diseases I study, so these human-animal shared ones, I look at parasites that are gastrointestinal, which um, you guys both can that probably already assume. Yes, that means so you your stomach. Yes, you can stomach, already assume Mom. the way to figure this out is through the good old-fashioned poop. Feces test. Yeah, so Jeez, I have picked up a lot of poop <laughs> all over this world oh and, um, and studied this. But I heard a, a third grader once said that um, poop is a fax envelope. So that's what I study is poop and moving into flies, moving into cockroaches. This is is good. This is great. When he puts his hand on his face and shakes his head, (laughs) I know this is going to be a hit. Time for a snack, right? So look, but this is, this is reality. (laughs) No one, (laughs) this is reality. No one talks about, well, you talk about it behind the scenes, but this is relevant to the entire world population, which again, I want to talk about one health a bunch. Usually the first half's kind of serious. Second half, not so serious. I immediately want to go to not serious. So this research, how are you, how are you picking projects, right? Does someone say, Hey, you need to research this. And how do you take that information, what you're researching, and, and apply it to the real world, too, besides scaring us off? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. And it's, you know, some people look for relevant new topic areas, and they kind of 
gravitate towards that, the novel concepts. Um, so, for example, Voldemort, the SARS-CoV-2, <laughs> I, I, that's not an area where I have much understanding about virology or, um, you know, that area. So that's not for me. But some people kind of pick and choose their research based on what's new, what's novel, what will be funded. Um, yeah, yeah kind of, yes, exactly what's trending. But a lot of us really kind of find our niche and what we are both interested in, what we're good at, where we can build our relationships, and where we can kind of sustain our passions. The tricky part of that is that the funding and the um, the trends of research and money for research and things like that, and even student interest or collaborative interest, it kind of moves and shifts. So you kind of get into these areas, if you're lucky, that have some crossover, and I've been lucky to do that. So in my area, I can kind of move around to some different topic areas that still relate back. It's not super refined, so I can I can kind of play. You can be flexible. Yeah, I can be yeah. flexible and play and really think about how is this going to advance science. And I'm I'm not going to be the one who changes the world, but I can sure change a are. corner. I can possibly change a corner, and that to me would be worthwhile. So, are you leading when you when you pick the the passions, needs, etc.? Are you leading that? conversation and bring it up or does it come to you naturally and you're like oh yeah this is interesting a little bit of both um i think you know you whenever you're interested in something whether it's um you know looking into superpowers from spiders or whatnot <laughs> um you kind of gravitate towards that kind of information and it sparks something in in you and if you kind of sit around and you're ruminating on it you might come up with some new questions and that's kind of how science works you it's like an inch forward every time, and then somebody else might give you some information. And if you're really good, then you have some team members that can build a better question and, and build some better um, <clears throat> study proposals. So um, that's what I like to do is talk to my colleagues out in the field, talk to the stakeholders, listen to community members, and find out what they need, what questions they have. Um, so it's Colleagues? Kind of, yes. Is that UNF? Or is that like who are the colleagues? Because we, we, I want to talk about One Health, the WHO. You got this thing coming up. Mm -hmm. Who are colleagues currently? They they can be anybody from UNF. It can be students. It can be um, friends and family members. I have a lot of partners. Thankfully, it's still in the global health community. Um, I haven't been traveling as much in the last couple of years as I would like, but we still communicate a lot and, and they can share with me what's going on in their sectors. And then based on these little tidbits and things, I, I can put together some ideas for some projects and then run them by people who might have more experience or expertise in these and say, does this make sense? Um, just yesterday, I was talking to several people to you, you need to double check yourself. And so you can do that through the literature, but also talking to people in the field and, and kind of staying humble and, and making so, sure that so you fields. Yes. And again, this is all healthcare related field. Is this physicians in the community? Is this other researchers like who who's the field? It depends on your, your research question and your research topic. So yesterday I talked to another public health researcher. I talked to a veterinarian. Um, who else did I talk to related to a project? I was emailing a couple people. Sometimes I'll reach out to authors of papers that just strangers because they did something and I, I'm trying to understand what they did and how they did it and what they would recommend moving forward. Um, I tell my students a lot that 
polite pestering is um, it's, it's okay. Sound familiar? Pleasantly yeah. persistent. Yes. Pleasantly yeah. persistent, we exactly. call it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, people are really, mo- more than likely people will share their ideas, their insights, their ideas, and want you to succeed or take the torch and keep going with it. They'll answer your questions. And if they don't, you know, what's the worst that happened? You asked and, and they didn't answer you. And again, this is to progress, I think, or progress. 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 Thank you, Adrian. That's what she's like my my voice of reason. <laughs> progress global healthcare, right? And again, we talk about local stuff. So you're doing all this stuff to progress healthcare forward for a variety of reasons. So I, since I'm not a clinician, I don't work exactly within the healthcare realm per se, but global health in general. And so for for my kind of larger um, kind of field of global health. It also encompasses things like um, health equity or um, environmental access to things because, Mm -hmm. you know, health might be um, the absence of disease, but it can also be your ability to participate in your community. And so do you have decision-making abilities? What are the, you know, gender roles or gender equality in that community? Do people want change in that area? Do these access? Yes. Do yep. these things lead to um, a lack of opportunities for one group and another? Right. So a lot of the diseases that we see in global health are really diseases of poverty, and so you you can diagnose and treat the disease on its face, but you're not change. You're not really changing the problem until you look at all of these other areas. And so global health. It's healthcare, but it's also some of these other aspects okay. of the social and environmental. You're going to read this. I, I handed Adrian a piece of paper here. Read oh, that. Read. Yeah, okay. you can read better than I can. Sure and let's better. hit One Health because I think that kind of sums up what you're talking about. The to, three yeah, different ones. I, I love this. Mm-hmm. Today we talked about this this morning. Yeah. One Health is a collaborative, multi-secretorial, and transdisciplinary approach working at the local, regional, national, and global levels with the goal of achieving optimal health outcomes, recognizing the interconnection between people, animals, plants, and their shared environment. Is that accurate? That is it. So so you brought up One Health this morning, and Amelia geeked out reading this. (laughs) Uh, You could read it again if you want. Oh, I'm good. (laughs) No, thanks. (laughs) You talk about interconnected. The biggest thing to me is you have have us humans, Mm -hmm. right? You have animals. Mm -hmm. I'm dumbing it down for Crayon eaters like myself. Oh, this is this is it. Jay. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. And then the third component is the environment, mm-hmm. right? So globally, here in the US, we're spoiled rotten. People mm-hmm. don't want to admit it, but we are. How do those things how are they intertwined? How do they affect each other? And what is One Health trying to do? Because I want to talk about the who thing also. Yes. WHO, sorry. We can it is um Anything related to infectious diseases down to chronic conditions. So if you want to think about, um, if you think about people walking their dogs, for example, this can be a One Health type of thing. If you want to get people maybe who have, um, who need more physical activity for their health, the doctor says, you know, we need more physical activity in your life. Um, how, How do they have a dog could they have access to a dog? Would that promote? We do see that having a dog promotes more physical activity and more walking. And so we can think about that. So having this component of now we consider the animal side of things and does that person have an area where they can safely walk? What are the sidewalks like in their community? Um, how do people, how can people implement um, 
these kind of activities safely in their environment. So that's one way we can think about it. From my side of things, I look at diseases that are shared between humans and animals and their environment. So I'm looking at ways to uh, decrease risk factors for exposure among animals, people, in this kind of shared environment. And we can talk more about that in a minute if you like. No, I keep going. I'm, I, I like do it. have, I have one question Go. just based on your example. And I'm just kind of trying to like think about how all these things work together. So would it be fair to say then that in some communities, a public health initiative might be something as simple as addressing lack of sidewalks mm -hmm. in a community mm -hmm. and then it's working the for grant funding to address that issue in the environment. Absolutely. Right? So that you've kind of got this whole ecosystem that's happening in that neighborhood functioning in an optimal way. Right. And if you yeah. were going to put in more sidewalks, you'd want to think about, okay, well, not just putting in the pavement so that we have somewhere to walk, but maybe we want to add some trees for some shade. And what kind of trees do we add? And how do we look how do at those affect the right. environment? And now Could we add fruit trees or allergies? something to address <laughs> some of the food insecurity in an area? Um, so things like that, exactly. And then we want to think about allergens and how climate change will increase, you know, is projected to increase allergens. So we want to think about not just pulling in one person about that sidewalk, but who else could answer some questions or come up with some ideas to make this as much bang for your buck as you can get out of these different projects. For me, when I look at my diseases that I study, I'm looking at who is having contact with the animals and why? What is the cultural component? Is it for financial reasons? Is it for food? So, um, for example, you know, in, the, in my project with Mongolia, it was a lot of herders. Oh, we got to hit this, by yeah, the way. Yeah, so they, yep. they have very close <laughs> contact with their animals because of the way that the um, the gares, the yurts are. There's not a lot of fenced-in area, so a lot of intermingling of species of the herd. You'll have goats and sheep and um, horses all together. Then the individuals who live in the gares of these yurts, it's a nomadic lifestyle. So you said you, yurts? Gurts. Oh, or, gurts. Yeah, gares. I was like, yurts? Sorry. Gares, um, I'm an idiot. No, I know. Yurts. It's okay. <laughs> gares, but they're, they're yurts. Um, and so they... <laughs> They, um, well, they, we call them yurts, but they're here. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's, I, I go I off say, track all the time. No, I'm um, <laughs> trying to use the correct word, but that's, we would call it a yurt. But um, they're not plugged into municipal water sanitation services. So because you need to take them down and move them to new spots. So because of that, you're hauling water, you're storing water, you're um, using different alternative sanitation methods. There's a lot of safe sanitation methods that are not like a flush toilet that we're used to. There are also some that are not as safe. So I want to think about this shared environment where there are people, there are animals, there's not really good access to water and sanitation. How do we keep our people safe and how do we in turn keep our animals safe so that they can enjoy a um, financial, cultural, um, food sources and all of this? Like how do we protect <coughs> that system? So it I, it comes with like you know gender equality and all kinds of questions. I, man, sounds easy to solve. No, I yeah, look, yeah. I, I geek out on this <laughs> stuff again. I, Amber Barnes, UNF. I'm gonna say you work at UNF yes. technically, but you do all this stuff worldwide. Back half, we'll talk about that. Adrian Jansen, CEO of 212 Benefits. That's right. What's 212 Benefits? I'm kidding. We'll talk about that later. Um, so far, so good. You ready for the second half? I think so. Okay, that's what the health just happened. <laughs> Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm, every day I'm hustling.
Welcome back to the second half of What the Health Just Happened. Let's get to it. I've got Adrian Jansen, CEO of 212 Benefits, Amber Barnes. I just call you, can I just say UNF? Absolutely. Yeah, like UNF, UNF. by the way. Swoop, my yeah. alma mater. I love that place. Plug it. UNF, UNF, UNF. Love it. If you missed the first half, it'll be up on all the podcasts, websites, blah, 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 blah. I geeked out. That was fun. <laughs> We're going to run out of time pretty quickly. So, so One Health was a big topic, right? How... What are the three big pillars of it? Read it to me. I've got to work it. I've well, got to read it like, back what? again. Yeah, uh, the three pillars: environmental, of, right, animals, mm-hmm. and humans, plants, yeah. right, and plants. Shared environment. So, how do we all correlate with each other? Super interesting stuff. I'm afraid we're going to talk about this too long because I want to talk about Mongolia, surfboards, personal <laughs> stuff. We might not make it. You're coming back, right? Absolutely. I told you. Okay. So, so the first half, all these things, how they correlate. You're traveling the world, mm-hmm. seeing this stuff. How does that relate on a local scale? So the city of Jacksonville, mm-hmm. right? How does the environment, we talked about sidewalks, mm-hmm. walking your dog, how that helps your health. The meat that we eat, where is mm-hmm. our, our cows process, our chicken? And, and look, I'm for all you vegetarians, I'm sorry I eat a lot of meat, <laughs> but it matters. Mm-hmm. So go back to, to One Health, mm-hmm. how it relates locally. Is that yeah. too yeah. broad of a question? Um, no, I mean, okay. in what you brought up in terms of... Um, you know, the food that you consume and the quality of that that food is absolutely a One Health concern because we want to make sure that our animals and our crops and our produce are um, healthy items. And so that might come to, um, we might think about it from an agricultural standpoint with One Health in terms of the animal quality, the um, humane aspects of it. So we want to think about that. We want animal welfare, but we also want, you know, quality and safety. So meat um, in terms of who are inspecting the facilities, what kind of products um, are we using to keep our animals safe and healthy. Um, antimicrobial resistance is a big issue in, the, um, in our, our agricultural word, world today. It's something that we're considering in our hospitals, but also in our agricultural world mm. because we have used a lot of antibiotics and antimicrobials to keep um, large amounts of animals healthy, and these kind of widespread uses are are impacting our human health. I'm gonna I'm gonna don't leave that topic. So so the best example, you as a human mm-hmm. take antibiotics mm-hmm. th- three times in six months. You take half a dose, you build up a tolerance. You take an antibiotic, you take half a dose. You, eventually, you're resistant to that antibiotic. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for animals. Absolutely, which affects I think right the food that we eat and I. Absolutely. But the other part of it is that if you think of the environmental component of it, animals produce an enormous amount of waste. And so we have to think about those um, antibiotics also being in their waste. And where does that waste go? If a farm or, um, you know, the agricultural sector is not doing a good job with their biocontainment or their um, animal waste management practices, then that waste gets into our waterways. And so we have had many environmental public health professionals who have done research and found 
elements of um, this kind of um, these issues in our waterways. And so One Health right there is an example of how do we protect our environment from these types of things? Well, we do good containment of our um, animal waste. We do proper um, storage and treatment. Um, the other thing is from a veterinary standpoint, we're saying we need to have targeted use of these types of um, medicines and therapies. They can't just be a widespread give it to everybody, whether that be human or animal, because we've realized that's not healthy and that's causing healthy more or not problems. Healthy. Right. Yeah. Not healthy. Not healthy. Um, <laughs> that's so, the question we should have asked earlier. <laughs> yeah. So it's just judicious use of antibiotics, both in the human healthcare world, but also the animal world. And then thinking about how our environment is impacted and then what happens with, with our um, contact with that environment. So uh, watersheds near farms or uh, waterways that, that, you know, after storms are off this runoff and things like that from these farms, we, we want to make sure that that's one, that that feces is not getting on our waterways. And if it is, then it doesn't have these types of concerns because all of that's coming back <clears throat> into contact with us. Cage, again, not cage-free animals, I think, are naturally healthier than these farms that have 50 cows crammed into a facility, right? I think a lot of that also has to do with um, the actual type of animal welfare that's being done. I know that that we as humans like to hear certain things that's comforting to us, <laughs> yeah, but there's the notion of kind yeah. of greenwashing or these types of things. So there are certain phrases that, um, and you know, I'm a consumer and I know that I look for certain things and our, you know, our, our businesses, our corporations, they're trying to make money. And so they might use some of these words that like make us feel, yeah, yeah they yeah. might, they I'm make us fan. feel as though we are All contributing natural, to something organic. right. And yeah. so some of the labeling is another AKA thing that we can bullsh- think of. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, public health, Edit there's a out. lot of policymakers who, this is another area where we look at what do we care about? What are the rules that we want to have in place? And, and what does that mean? So if that's labeling, if that's industrial um, practices, like what do we want as consumers and what do we think is a healthy, viable way of protecting these businesses, but also um, protecting our populations? So cage-free, are they? Are they... Does that mean that it's one giant room of more chickens than there's one that? giant I mean, I, cage? Exactly. And again, I, right. look, I, there's technically not a cage. Right, right. right. And with, you mentioned not that with imagining. with the all natural. That that can be really tricky as well. Mm-hmm. I was kind of. I'm always thinking about that connection between all this amazing research and and thought process that's kind of going on behind the scenes, and then what does that look like in Mm -hmm. day-to-day life, right? Because you're kind of seeing both sides of the coin. You mentioned it just a moment ago, right? You're a researcher, you understand all these things, but you're also a consumer. Mm -hmm. So thinking about that from the consumer perspective, what are some things that we could look for on packaging that would give us a sense of what products are products that, you know, we can can put our money behind? Um, Honestly, I'm not the right person to answer this because I, I, I thank you yes, for I, telling the truth. I absolutely get caught on this too, yeah. and so I How find myself. Decide? I know so many. It's so things. hard. Yeah. It is really hard. I think um, you know, I, checking your with your own personal values and what do you really care about, and then maybe focusing in that area and getting a right. little bit more educated on that. Um, for some people, it's going to be certain 
elements maybe of beauty products or cosmetics that they don't want to, you know, be a part of, or whether that's the cruelty-free world, or if it's vegan products, or if it's removing sulfates from Uh, your shampoo. Vegan will never happen for me. Whatever it might be. Um, But some people like that in terms of their beauty products. Um, So some people like to know that it wasn't tested on animals or something like that. Um, I think that... as a consumer, I also, and a researcher, I mean, I I can find the research and even I get confused by all of this, which is also part of the purpose of, you know, some of the advertising. So maybe focusing yeah. on one thing that's very important to you, get more knowledgeable in that single area, and then just try, just try to do your best. I mean, that's right. I love, honestly, you said it. That's We're all, all doing the best that's we, can. All we, can that's all that we can do. And forgive yeah. yourself. You know, um, I, there there are things that I have purchased that I thought was a smart decision, you know, like I'm going to save the environment with this right. and then later learned that, OK, that was a mistake. Right. Um, but, you know, use what you've got. Um, right. Trying to um, recycle things in terms of, you know, upcycling or getting things secondhand or just the basics that our parents and grandparents were doing. Yeah. That helps a lot. I think kind of getting back to some of that. Um, and, and also just being, just being easy on yourself, giving yourself a little yeah. grace. This yeah. whole human thing is, is pretty it's difficult. Hard, it's also getting harder and harder. It feels like, like every it. year it gets it a really little bit does. harder. Mm-hmm. I don't know what direction to go. Cause I want to stay on this topic and just dive in, yeah. but I also want to go time a little... in the world. We, just talk well, about we don't run out of time. I'm watching that <laughs> clock right there. We're running That's out of time. I, I kind of want to go a little personal. Do you mind? Absolutely. Yeah, but but this stuff, this is healthcare related. But I want people to understand who you are, what you're doing, where you came from, how you ended up here. That matters too. And then next time you come on, say listen to the previous episodes, gotcha. you'll learn about Part her. Two. Okay. To be continued. <laughs> how big of a town did you grow up in? Ooh, um, it was less than 1,200 people, and it really just depends on which side of town you would come in, because one side had our population at one number, the other side of town had it at another. <laughs> it hadn't been changed since I was there, but it had gone down. I'm pretty uh, sure. No stoplights. I'm pretty sure the neighborhood I live in has more than that. Okay. Yeah, yeah no stoplights. In- I think there was like 20, 27, about 30 maybe in my high school class. Oh, jeez. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, there were so- less than 250 in the junior high and high school combined. Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I, I, I like this thing, to, to this journey here. You were there and mm-hmm. you thought, I want to be a lawyer, right? Yeah. Well, it's even worse than that because <laughs> I, um, I was graduating and I realized I wasn't done and I was definitely too immature to start working. I was like, oh, At no, 18? no, no, no. I'm scared. At tw- No, sorry. Graduating college. Oh. And I was like, I'm not ready for this yet. And I thought, <laughs> what could I do that would buy me a little time? That seems like a respectable, you know, profession. I enjoy those types of television shows. Ah, I think this is a great idea. I should probably go to law school. What television shows? I really was a Law and Order kind of guy. Everyone watches Law and Order. I'm going to be a lawyer. Yeah, that was me. Law and Order. And then I selected down here because there was Coastal coastal in the title of the law school. And at the time, it was on Beach Boulevard. On Beach Boulevard. Yep. Uh I actually was down here on spring break my my senior year and had a friend come up. We rented a convertible and drove up here. And I saw the law school. (laughs) And I was like, 
But also, that's not how you pick a school. <laughs> it, is, it is how a lot of people pick schools. I, mean, I, I moved down I went here. to UNF in 2001 never left. Yeah, that's okay. why, when I moved down more logical than any other decision? I mean, yeah, really. probably so, not. So yeah. bachelor's not from, what was the school in Illinois? Western Illinois Western University. Illinois. Go then UNF for master's, mm-hmm. right? And then you picked public health. Yes. Well, and which I matters, little, and I want to talk about you yeah. teaching and why people choose public health. I went and a plug year. This. Yeah, I went a year to law school. Was not for me. Um, and then I had that that good old floundering. And I tell my students this too. I was really having to have that gut check of like, who are you? Who do you want to be? And, we all do it. Right, tell and, everyone we all yes, go through that. Yes. Totally all you students that listen to your teacher yes. talking, your instructor. Can yeah. I call you teacher or instructor? You can call me whatever you okay. want. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Professor. But I definitely did not grow up thinking this is what I was going to do. I didn't even know this was open to me. As or a, a thing. No, yeah. I didn't know it was a thing. But I, I knew I kind of had that gut check after I, you know, had realized that I was I was floundering. And I was like, what do I want to do? I want to try to help people. How do I do that? And I found public health as an option. And I thought, that's interesting because it kind of combines some of the things I'm, I was interested in. I get to work with communities. I, I had an investigative mind. So the kind of um, epidemiology, the disease detective kind of side of it really fit me. And I was like, let me try this. And with my first semester, I was like, oh, I found it. I found my people in and the love. light bulbs That's went the off. Feeling. Yeah. And then, right. And then I, I just. This is at UNF? Kinda, yeah. Okay. And, then, and then it's funny Ooh, because. Sorry. Yes. Those, I, I will plug UNF <laughs> this whole show. I love it there. <laughs> I've got to plug uh, Carrie Clark, who is. Um, Hi, now, Carrie. Yes. He's, na- he's now my colleague, but he was my professor for epidemiology. And so now my office is right next door to his. Wait till one of your students is on this show. Like this one time Amber. Yes. Okay. So, so did that, Mm -hmm. came down here, found your people, Mm -hmm. graduated with masters. Mm -hmm. There was a break between that and the PhD. Yes. um, I actually did a two year epidemiology fellowship with the state. So I was here at Duval County working on case investigations. Can you say Duval like the Jags do or no? I can't do it very well. Adrian? Duval. No, come on. That's all right. You do it then. You try Duval. I hate that. Um, I'm just kidding. I love it. I know. I'm sorry. It does kind of get me excited. It's contagious. Yeah. If I hear anybody else in like an airport or something, I'm like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then I came, I did that for two years and then I, um, I started the PhD. I went to Sierra Leone and did some, um, some work for like a summer and then I, where? Uh, Sierra Leone in West Africa. I I know where it is. Just say it again. So people here like you went to a (laughs) place in where? Yes. And then I I came back and started the PhD in environmental and global health in, with a public health degree from um, UF. And then that's when I was learned One Health, and I was like, this makes so much sense to me. It's like a holistic way of pulling in partners from all these different worlds. And this, you know, we, the health in general has such complexity to it Ugh. that you can't answer it from one it's side of, the, of, yeah, you, you know, of this. So you, you have right. to bring in people and experts and collaborators and new ideas from really interesting and innovative places. So that's kind of what made sense to me is the teamwork of it. And I haven't looked back since. Duke. Adrian, have you heard of Duke? Yeah, once or twice. That's like a, I think that's a pretty decent school. I I it was college. I was there for like a week before they sent me to Mongolia. So, um, so it looked pretty <laughs> look, from the plane. I know we're going to run out of time. I could tell already. I've known you and your husband for years, but mm-hmm. not as close as I'd like to be, but We'll change that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Duke. Like Duke. Everyone's yeah. heard of Duke, I think, yeah, right? I love you and app, but you're not Duke. <laughs> so you got 
were you hired to go to Mongolia or you were a student doing something? So yes, we got to tell us Mongolia. It was a thing. one health. It was a one health postdoc. So um, and it was based in Mongolia. The the great thing about it is it took a U.S. postdoctoral um, associate researcher and then it paired you with two counterparts in Mongolia. So I had a team. It was me and two Mongolian colleagues who were epidemiologists and medical doctors and were just complete experts. And the three of us designed uh, this project and carried it out over the two years. And it was fascinating and rewarding and incredibly challenging. And I was so lucky that my husband came with me. And yeah, he's a say, nurse. Look, so, which I also yeah. would get to. Where is he? Is he working somewhere now? Mm-hmm. He's Where at the he? beach. Jackson, or uh, Baptist Beach? Mm-hmm. Okay. Love Baptist Beach, by the way. He moved out there. Yeah, he moved. Weather conditions. Um, not good surf. <laughs> no, by the way, her, so let's let's hey, uh, give him a shout out. He won't listen. My wife never listens. I always laugh about that. He's definitely temperature. Was like, no. What was the temperature? Like, I mean, year-round? I was well, I walked. We didn't have a car, and I was lucky to be able to walk to work. Um, but my walk was minus forty many many days. Say it again. Minus forty. Crazy. Jay, do you have and, and a bucket I could throw up in? Because I would, like, <laughs> yes. I'm out. I mean, we're One talking, day I'm like, I'm know, out. Eyelashes frozen, you know, the whole thing. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was quite cold. And that's to research. That was, like, you built the project or the two individuals there? The three they, of us This did. to me is fascinating. Yes, it's like an hour, two-hour conversation. They, they, you know, they were able to, we were at the Institute of Veterinary Medicine there in Mongolia, and so we were able to work with the veterinary researchers who have incredible relationships with herders throughout the entire country. And so um, especially horses are incredibly important to the culture of Mongolia, um, to their history and to their social fabric. And so um, a lot of these herds, like we would go to a gear where there might be a couple and they'd have a thousand animals. Wow. Um, so the, I what believe- What kind of animals? Um, there were sheep. My son wants a sheep, so okay. I'm like, sheep, like, can I goats, have one in my house? Um, cows, horses, um, in some areas, camels, in some areas, yaks. Um, those were the primary animals um, that they have. A thousand. Yeah, yeah, they might couple. have a thousand. Not everyone, of course, had that. Right. But when you think about that in terms of there's no, you know, not a lot of fences, um, they have a we lot have of- We have 15 employees that can't keep track of right. them. That's insane. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, you, you're you're letting the animals- free range. And so different herds are having contact with other herds. And so you're kind of relying on your neighbor for, um, you know, if your neighbor's doing a great job, then that impacts your health. And, and also just the ability to kind of share resources and, um, and even news and um, the, the social side of it, because you can be very isolated in that kind of weather for a very long time. So it was really, it was really interesting. Yeah. We did a lot of. It, it's one of the most sparsely um, populated countries by landmass. It's a very large country, but not a lot of people. Compared However, to like, the what would you compare size animals, wise to? There's about three million um, people in the con- in the whole country. Geographically, though, is it the size of California, Texas, the U? Like, oh my gosh. Um, now I'm not gonna. I'm, you don't have to. Answer I don't know. That. Uh, Here's this big, a big. <laughs> it's large. Yes. Yeah. S- serious comment. When I say serious comment, Adrian knows this is not, not serious. serious. Oh. Your eyelashes have recovered very well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's so funny, too. This is just such a random side note, but 
at the time that you were in Mongolia, I remember seeing all your posts on social media, and I was a, a teacher at the time, and we had a book in our guided reading groups that were about Mongolia and life in Mongolia and how absolutely frigid it is yes. there. And so every time I would pick up this book to read with a group, I would just think of poor Amber with her eyelashes <laughs> stuck together in negative 40 degree weather. Somewhere How about her husband, who's a surfer, by the way, makes surfboards yes. and all that. Yeah. This did is he my... ever leave the house when you were in Mongolia? Uh, he did. He did. Actually, he had a blast. There is... Um, there's so much to do there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, outdoor. <laughs> Riding sheep's in there. Yeah. yeah. Camels. Yes. Uh, we rode horses. We did dog sledding. There's so much hiking. Oh, that's sweet. Um, that's sweet. It's, yep. You know, it's so open and everyone really shares the land a lot. So um, it's, you can go and go camping anywhere and mm. um, people will come up and offer you food and, and check on you and things. Um, so the camping and the hiking was incredible. Um, it was really beautiful. And just yeah. kind of that open landscape. Yep. There's really nothing like that. You don't that. see it here. No. So it, it was really personally difficult, but um, the friendships that I have and those colleagues were still talking about ideas for new projects and still, you know, messaging each other. And the, what I learned from them was invaluable. I get chills every episode, by the way. That's that's one of them right there. Oh, yeah. It, you met these people in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yep. And, and they... One of the things that I think whenever you step out of your comfort zone is that you, and especially if you're, like I was, I had a lot riding on this, you know, I, I really had to succeed. And, and if I didn't do a good job, then, you know, how was I going to get the next job? And this was two years kind of of this mm. advanced placement and, and you, you got to get this going and you've got to help, help do this. And, um, and, and I felt responsible for my team members as well. So there were days where I could not do, I, I, I could not do what needed to be done because it was not my world, was not my language, was not my um, <laughs> social norms. Barriers, yeah. Right. So it was my colleagues were like, you know, I've got this. And I to have to loosen those reins was mm. so difficult. And I think from like a Western mindset, we're such yes. micromanagers and we're mm -hmm. so time and all this. And all so there were times where I was like, oh, oh, is it happening? Is it happening? And they would Jeez, tell me, I've got you. I've got you. And it would always happen. It would always happen exceptionally. Right. Maybe not the way that I thought it was going to happen, but they had my back. And that like loosening the reins that was matters. like my biggest yeah. thing. Like trust your team. Build a right. good team and then trust them that to do what they need to do. That is a perfect – this is my favorite and least favorite part of the show. We're wrapping up. Oh, we're wow. running out of time. Oh. Like we're almost done. Yeah, we're, I'm know. getting – he's holding the fingers up. So I have I have two questions I end with. Well, now we have to pick rude. one. We have two minutes left. I know it's tough. <laughs> time is limited. Instead of the one, three, five years out, what would you change, right, in your industry teaching? I want to talk about public health. Why do people decide this? You look at yourself one, three, five, 10, 20 years ago. What is some healthy advice that you would give yourself? This is for your students, by the way, mm. that we're going to send this clip to. <laughs> but you also have to answer it in like less than a minute, maybe two. One, it's okay to fail. Love it. Two, trust the process and trust yourself. You're going to get there. And three, build that team, whether that's your friends, leaning on your family, finding the experts. But don't, don't think you can do it all alone, and it's, it's not a good idea to. It's not possible. It's not possible, totally and impossible. it's not healthy. It that is was not, not healthy. Healthy or not, not healthy, healthy, doing it all yourself. Right. Yeah. Not healthy. Not healthy. Okay. And not happy. <laughs> Adrian, you got anything you want to add before we wrap it up here? No, I don't. Thank you so much for sharing that. Loved Thank hearing you. all those stories again. 
Adrian Jansen, co-host today. I feel bad. I did a lot of talking. Next time you got to ask more questions. Yeah. CEO of 212 Benefits, who happens to sponsor the show. We do employee benefits. Is that what we do? Something like that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not about us. <laughs> Amber Barnes, UNF. That's what I'm going to say every time. Also, way smarter than I am. <laughs> I oh, for know. sure. No. Everybody is, <laughs> no, by the way. I'm just, just like talk a, a, lot. a character. I yep. people. No, it's... I love it. Jay Bowes on the producing. Thank you. Didn't have a mic today. I missed his laugh. <laughs> That's sorry. I'm kidding. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Did you have this fun? Was fun. Absolutely. Did I tell you the time would fly by? Yes, you, you did. You want to talk some more? Of course I do. That's I all know, I we're do. Out of time though. So you'll come back. <laughs> yes. All right. You hear that? Amber Barnes, UNF. I'd say borderline genius. <laughs> no? I, I would agree. Say I very, concur. very much not. Also, I love your husband. I miss him. Thank you. Want to talk to him? Would he come on? Talk he, about nursing? Oh, might. Sure. Okay. He might. Anyways. We'd love to have him. Amber, Adrian, thank you. It was awesome. That thank you. is what the health just happened. Thank you.